This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Champions League is back. It came back. And my goodness, what a game. we got an American that overwhelmed Manchester United. Bayern Munich overwhelmed Barcelona. So many matches, so much to talk about. Jimmy Conrad in the house. James Bench in the house. Kego Lasso, match day one. Day one of the Champions League begins right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kego Lasso Champions League action. Tuesday, match day one. So great to have these two with me. First of all, before I introduce them, thank you so much for listening and watching Kego Lasso. You can also do it on your smart speakers. Simply say, Alexa, play the latest episode of Kego Lasso podcast. Or hey, who Google? I want to read James Benji's article on Kego Lasso and listen to him on Kego Lasso. Play the latest episode of Kego Lasso podcast. If you're watching this live on YouTube, be part of the conversation. If your hot takes, your comments, your questions. Jimmy's here for them. James Bench is here for them. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us to grow the show. All right, let's get going. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. So much to unpack, especially the managerial ability of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We're having that type of week, LME and James <laughs> Bench, where the train for Ole is not going toot toot anymore. Everybody's like, I want to get off of this thing. Where can I get off? I'm tired of Ole Gunner, which is crazy because <laughs> next week we're going to be all about Ole Gunner again. But for right now, everybody's not really happy. James Banks, do you have the same sentiments about Ole Gunner Solskjaer? What did you take out of today? Well, I have those exact sentiments about <laughs> Ronald Koeman, who has just masterminded <laughs> the all-time great bad Barcelona performance. Uh, <laughs> this was like, man, this was made the 8-2 look adequate it was oh. there are a lot of big teams that have not played good football today i can tell you that zero I shots on goal bench zero, zero shots on goal for barcelona first time since opta have records in a championship <laughs> game not shot on twitter 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 didn't even exist i think it was unbelievable but a very yeah nothing nothing that's right that's right kiddos there was life before the internet it was ticky tanking that was a good one from our producer, mm, mm. Des Norris, right there. I like that. By the way, Jimmy Conrad joining us from the West Coast. James Bench joining us from the UK. It's a late one for James Bench, so we appreciate you. And I'm wearing a tie suit. No, not because I am serving tables at my local Italian restaurant. <laughs> I was just being on HQ. So thank you so much for the background. Trust me, I'd rather be in my backwards hat and a hoodie talking to you guys. But let's begin. Let's talk about that game. Let's start with you, Jimmy, for a second. First of all, Manchester United... Uh, losing 2-1. It began great. Ronaldo equaling his appearance record, of course, and scoring in 16 straight Champions League campaigns. And he hits a good one, a great ball from uh, Fernandes. But one bissaka it was that red card, really, that just completely shifted the momentum. But fair play to young boys, you know, a team that still had something to prove and the American people took care. So talk to me about that game. Yeah, just to kind of follow up and give some more context on what you'd mentioned, Cristiano Ronaldo ties Iker Casillas for the most matches played in Champions League history. 
he's also now scored 135 goals in 177 Champions League matches. He is the greatest of all time in this competition. I don't think there's any denying that fact. But when that red card happened with Juan Basaka, and I believe that it was a deserved straight red, he got there a little bit late. It's, it, it's, it's high. You can see the bottom of his boot. I don't think there's any question there, even though I saw some United fans complaining and whining a little bit. I mean, they got a freebie when Paul Pogba got away with it against Wolves. So you do. You were due a red card, everybody. But what I thought was interesting from a tactical perspective was that Jaden Sancho went out immediately. Diogo Dallo comes in right away, which is fine, right? You bring in a defender for, for a winger now that you've lost Juan Basaka. He plays on the right side. Nice swap there. The, 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 the sub at half, when he took off Van de Beek and brought off Ferran, then he went to a back five, ultimately. Three center backs, two wing backs. And I really felt like that set the tone and the messaging for his team. We're going for the draw here. And then in the 70th minute, he took off Bruno Fernandez and he took off Cristiano Ronaldo. And they just lost all those four players. Sancho, uh, Van de Beek, Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandez. Yes, Lingard came on. And yes, uh, Matic came on. Those guys can play, of course. But it just, it just felt like they were bunkering in. And when another team senses that that's what you're doing, the amount of pressure that young boys put on at that point, I just feel like Ole Gunnar's tactics invited that. And if they just kind of maybe stayed true to a back four and, and asked a couple players to do a little bit more defending than they usually do, which I think they would have because they were down to 10, then you make the subs and keep the integrity of your shape. And I just felt like that invited that pressure from young boys when they didn't necessarily, maybe wouldn't have earned it otherwise. So I thought the tactics were a little, I don't say naive from Ole Gunnar and they got punished for it. That said, Jesse Lingard, what a hell of a pass to Jordan Pifok. I'm excited for Jordan Pifok, the U.S. international, for scoring the 95th minute. The fans went absolutely crazy. I mean, they were running to the sideline. It, it reminded me of Roma this past weekend. I thought Jose Mourinho was going to run onto the field <laughs> and start to get into the, the scrum as well. So... Very cool moment for the American international. He could be, he could still be running there right now. But uh, very cool for young boys, but for Manchester United, you got to be disappointed because as we talked about in our preview, they dropped similar points to Istanbul Bashakshi here, and that's what ultimately cost them a chance to get to the knockout rounds. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything Jimmy said. I thought what was really weird about Solskjaer's tactics was kind of in the last few minutes, he seemed to realize that he left his team with, with zero out ball whatsoever. Yeah. But it was too late because all you could bring on was was Anthony Martial, who who needs players to to work the ball up to him. I just thought it was it was really tame. You know, you you don't have to play for the win, but you must realise that if you're going to play over half a game with a man down, you still need to pose some attacking threat. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mm -hmm. mind whether that's I I would have kept Sancho on because he's mm. someone that will beat a man. Maybe as opposed to even a Fernandez, who is going, you know, he's not going to do it off the dribble. You can't just give him the ball and expect him to get you 20 yards up the pitch. But whoever it is, there kind of has to be a, a plan. And maybe that plan is pump it long to Ronaldo. He knocks it down. We work from there. Or it is give it to a Sancho and he beats two players. And that's how we get there. But I mean, you know, I was kind of dipping in and out of this in the, the Salzburg game. And whenever I flipped over, it was Man United in the last few minutes was just Man United punt, punting it. There was no, there was no one to aim for. There was no real play, and it's young boys. I couldn't believe how solid they made this team look mm -hmm, defensively. Mm -hmm. This is Ferenc Varas scored four goals on this team. I don't even think Man United had four shots on target. They had two shots, and only Ronaldo was responsible for both of them, which is unbelievable. I know they only had ten men, but still, that's unbelievable. For, especially as you mentioned against young boys. With all due respect, you got to give credit to David Wagner, and I think the fans being back in the stadium, mm -hmm. that energizing crowd, I think that helped a lot. But young boys, 
Fair play took full advantage of the momentum of Juan Bissaka. But to your point, James Bench, the fact that Manchester United really were just like, I don't know what they were hoping for just for the game to finish, especially at a point where it was still just an, it was just a draw. I mean, it wasn't like they were losing or they were clearly ahead. They still had something to prove, I think. What do you think of that, Jimmy? Yeah, it, it was interesting. I thought that the tactics in this one, again, from Ole Gunnar, and I'm glad you brought up the Anthony Martial. He took off Fred. I mean, that's the one person you want out there kind of scrapping, digging out balls. and he brings In the Martial. one game that you I, want him still to stay. It's like, what is happening? What is absolutely happening? And to your point about Ronaldo, if Ronaldo's out there, he's a guy that demands attention. He could just stand there and young boys are going to be like, yo, we should probably stack this guy up. You sit yeah. in front of him, I'll sit behind him. So now you've got two guys occupied on one Ronaldo. And we can argue he counts as two players sometimes. I mean, that's how dominant he's been, especially in this competition. So I just felt like, I just felt like at halftime, it, it looked like Ole Gunnar's like, we're going for the draw. And let's just hold on and, and wait for the draw. And they just invited away too much pressure. And, and young boys took advantage of some mistakes, of course. But United didn't shower themselves with uh, in, in glory, let's say. Glory, glory, man, United with regard to to how they performed in the second half. And yeah, I, I think that's on Ole Gunnar. I really do. Um, he put in Lingard and Lingard makes the mistake. And I like Lingard, so I'm not holding that against him. That stuff happens. But, you know, I think Ole Gunnar's got to own this one. Well, if you're a Manchester United fan, I would love and we would love to hear mm. your opinion. I want to know if that was a good, it was a good that this, perf you know, is it a good thing that this performance happened now as opposed to maybe like towards the end of the group stages? I would love to hear. I uh, see James Fetch is already shit. He doesn't want it anytime. <laughs> well, the, these, you know, as Jimmy Yeah, three saying, points are three points, right? You have right. To get the three points in. You yeah. have to get the three yeah. points in. The other, you know, you have to assume that they will drop some points against Atalanta and Villarreal. Mm -hmm. Well done, you've won the group. This was fine. But that's, you know, I, I can also see at least one of Atalanta and Villarreal getting six from six. Yeah. And that's when it starts getting fiddly. And, you know, as, as mm -hmm. you guys said, that's what cost United last year. I mean... You've got to make it happen it's now. It's the worst yeah. time to have this performance, I have to yeah. say. You've yeah. got to beat your group whipping boys. Yeah, well, let's see if United fans agree or not. So make sure that you uh, comment and, and we want to hear from you. All right, let's talk about what James Bench started on here. Barcelona against Bayern Munich. It wasn't 8-2. It wasn't 8-2, so that's okay, I guess. But Barcelona failed to register a shot in the first half and had zero shots on frame in the whole game and per Dermot Corrigan by the way whistles around Camp Nou as Gavi and Demir came in for Sergi Roberto and Busquets which tells you a lot and then Jerry Jerry Pique at the end was just saying listen like we just had a bunch of kids out there this is who we are a very sort of defeatist comment from Barcelona and rightly so I guess off and on the pitch they have so many issues and Bayern Munich the complete opposite doesn't matter what season they're in, you know that they're going to produce and they're going to deliver, especially because of Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Müller. Let's begin with you, James Bench, since you started with Ronald Koeman, etc. Just how bad is this for Barcelona? Uh, it's it's bad, but it's not Koeman's fault. This is this is the sort of like result that Bayern Munich get against the mid-ranking teams in their Champions League group, and just look at that team. And uh, you know, you, I mean, you're mentioning people come off the bench, and I am, you know. I'm sure we're all the same. I'm Googling these players as they come on. Who are you? Are you, are you here for the Barcelona game? Is that what we're doing? La Masia graduates. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> That's a meme. This, this team is very quickly devolving to sort of Pedri, 
some Deongs and Scrubs. And, you know, I mean, there's moments, isn't there, where you see Jordi Alba look up and he spent years in Champions League games. He sort of looks up and where's Messi? And now it's like, is that Luke Deong <laughs> on the Barcelona team? Um, Sergio, I mean, I've been watching a lot of Ted Lasso, so maybe this is just... <laughs> Busquets is starting to remind me of Roy Kent. Yeah, yeah. Nice Roy Kent. It's all there, but he can't really do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So um, this, is, this is what happens to that sort of team against who I didn't think were great, by the way. By and like you know, they they finished some some lucky chances. Yeah, yeah, they did. Their xG was sort of padded by the number of times that a ball bounced off a Barcelona post or a Barcelona defender and into Lewandowski's path. It, they were fine and. Barcelona were just probably what they are and Koeman will pay the price. It's not his fault. Well, it's funny you say that because there was a quote from uh, Gerard Piquet afterwards. He said, uh, es lo que hay, somos lo, lo que somos. And that translates into, it is what it is. We are who we are. And that, I mean, that's pretty much as candid as you can get. This What you see is what you're going to get. We don't necessarily have that special player anymore. And we saw that Jordi Alba photo and looking up at the heavens and just sighing. He's probably looking around like, where are all my friends go? Like, I don't have any more friends on the team, and I don't have anybody that can bail us out. And it was a pretty dismal performance. And, and to your point about Luke de Jong, and we made fun of it prior to in our preview uh, of this match, he's a Europa League player, and, and that's, that's how I see him. And it's funny is that he had success on Sevilla because Sevilla are one of the best teams from hitting in balls from wide areas. Uh, Barcelona don't do that. Don't do it. It's not in their DNA. They like to keep the ball on the ground and break you down, you know, as much as they can and in possession by death and to open you up that way. Luke Tiong's not that player. So you just kind of wonder about some of their signings and what they're trying to do. Obviously, their financial situation, I think, is dictating a lot of some or a lot of these decisions. But but Barcelona have now lost three straight home matches in Europe by a combined score of 10 to 1. They lost to Juventus 3-0. They lost to uh, PSG 4-1 to when Kylian Mbappe lit up Serginho Dest. That's what I remember about that game. And they lost to this to Bayern Munich 3-0. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. And I said in my preview that I thought that Barcelona would get third in this group. And it's looking like that could be a good possibility, especially because Benfica got a hard-fought draw against Dinamo Kiev in the other match in this group. Yeah, no, it's a very good guess, a very good opportunity to really think that Barcelona will probably not get out of this group. Of course, it's very early, so they can do it. I do wonder, though, and obviously because here's the thing, James, you said something that it's not Kuman's fault, and I'm with you, like $1.5 billion in debt. That's not Kuman's fault. You know, Messi being dissatisfied and having to leave because the contract couldn't be negotiated. That's not Kuman's fault. However, I see a very Dutch influence here obviously Memphis Depay etc when clearly the issues are at the back as well at the very least if you can't solve everything at least understand that the defensive side of Barcelona is an absolute mess like and Kuman, that's not the system that he plays he likes to go forward and attack but he has to see what's in front of him he has to see the cake that he has uh, baked this is not a Barcelona system that's going to fit his philosophy shouldn't he be James Bench a little bit more uh, flexible, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for? Or is it just simply that he just doesn't have the tools to do it anyway? I think you're right. That Well, it's not the best. I, don't, I didn't look at that team and think this is the best way of exploiting the talents of the the footballers you have avail available to you. I mean, it was a sort of back three, right? But Sergio Roberto was mm. the wing back. That, mm. that doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, when you have someone like Sergio Dest, who would probably be relatively well suited to that role. And 
I mean, I don't. I just don't think having more of those Barcelona centre backs on the pitch is going to make you better defensively. It doesn't allow you to keep the ball more effectively. It doesn't. You know, you don't. You're not putting pressure on the on the Bayern defence and forcing them to defend a little bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. He could have done better, and I, I you know, I don't think you can mitigate him. And I probably was a bit guilty initially of mitigating him a bit too much for for this. <laughs> it's it's so strange because this is sort of huge problems coming home to roost that he, he is not responsible for. And he's, you know, I mean, Des has just thrown into our, our chat. If Kuhn isn't the right man to lead them, who is, who on earth would want to lead them through this? This is, I got two names for you. Go, go ahead. Xavi, Xavi and Iniesta. Like, I feel like it's <laughs> as a partnership, as a amazing. partnership, they come they, back and they, you know what? They could probably play <laughs> 20 <laughs> minutes as well at the end of the game as well. <laughs> But this is exactly, by the way, why Xavi was waiting because he was offered this job and he was like, nope, no, thank you. I don't want to jump in a house of flyer. I want to just wait and see what happens. And obviously, but you make a good point. But OK, Xavi and Iesta were great. Who else could do this? Antonio Conte? There's no way that he's coming in this thing. Who Who's going to take care of this mess? Who just- is? Imagine telling Conte, you know, with his budgetary demand, yeah. how much money do I have to spend? Yeah. Could you sell 200 million? Yeah, yeah. Conte, Conte enters the meeting and he's like, by the way, I, I, I left Tottenham discussions because they're a mess. I left Inter because they're a mess. What do you have, Laporta? Well, don't you guess what? It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Uh, to your point, uh, Des Norris, and the question, if Kuman isn't the right man to lead them, who is, I don't know. I think I agree with Jimmy partly because it has to be somebody that understands the Barcelona culture, at least. And of course, Koeman knows that. But Xavi and Iniesta as a partnership, the more I think about it, the more I like it, Jimmy Conrad. I don't know. It, would it ever happen? That's the key. I think Luis Enrique, if you could coax him to come out of the Spanish national team job and have him the come back. The tiki-taka comes back big time in that situation. Potentially. You know, obviously you could float it by Pep. He'd just laugh you off. But, yeah. you know, you'd look at you'd look at some former managers that you've had some success under, uh, I really like what Jose Bordalas has done since leaving Hitafe, going to Valencia. Valencia is now close to the top of the table in La Liga. I'd be keeping my eyes on him. I don't think he would leave. He just joined Valencia. But in terms of maybe a future hire, there's something about him that uh, I think speaks to me. I mean, they, they, they've gotten Kike Setien. You know, they've, they've gone outside of some of their normal bubble choices, I'd say. They've tried everything. They've yeah. tried everything. And I think uh, there's something about Bordalas that I really like. But we'll see if, if uh, that ever comes to fruition. I think... Kuma knew what he was walking into in this particular situation. He knew it was going to be a dumpster fire. He knew that he was inheriting this big elephant room that was the messy situation. And he had to have known or at least been slightly aware of the fact that Barcelona had some <laughs> dire financial consequences. So he said he has a good relationship with Laporta, the president. And I'm sure they're both in there going like, what the hell are we going to do? We got no idea. Let's just play the kids and see what happens. And at some point, I think you just have to play the kids and hope that they get better soon because they just don't have the same type of quality. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm laughing because James Benz, you have a, you you have a thought on who should take over. Jimmy keeps saying, "Play the kids. We need someone that plays attacking football." It's Arsene Wenger. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would wait. He would enjoy having. In fact, the, the less money he had, the happier he'd be. 
Yeah, and all of them will play every two years at the World Cup as well. I think that would be a very interesting. Yeah, Arsene Wenger is a good one. All right, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. But before we take a break, please, we want your thoughts, your comments, your questions. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Champions League, including all the results from match day one. The first day, we'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody, we are back. If you're listening to audio, we took a break, but if you're watching live on YouTube, we just Keep going. By the way, our producer, Des, you have a question from Carlos Cosio. Manchester City, with 10 men, would have scored three goals against Young Boys. Fair point. Ole Gunnar got his tactics totally wrong, boys. Jesse Lingard for Ronaldo was shocking. Whatever Lingard can do, Ronaldo can do three times better. Wow, Carlos, some very big comments here. I would love to hear James and Jimmy. Go ahead, Jimmy, and then James, you follow up. What do you make? Well, three times better, it seems a bit harsh, I think, on Lingard. He, he's proven that when he gets to play, he can make a difference. I just wonder what kind of tactics he's being told or being informed to play. And at that point, they were already in a defensive shell. They were already inviting a ton of pressure. I don't think he should have subbed off Ronaldo. But Ronaldo, the 70th minute after lagging all that time, I think a fresh Lingard made sense. It's just, was a team set up for him to really take advantage of it? Like, to James Benj's point, once he gets the ball, who the hell is he playing to? All the guys that could play or they're gone. He's basically, they're like, yeah, go for it. The defense is like, yeah, go for it. You know, you could run 70 yards by yourself and see if you can make it happen against a, a young boys team that I think could could sense that, that maybe this is, could turn their way. They just need to get a little bit of a break. Now we could argue if you put five guys, five talented players in that back line and you have, uh, you know, excellent, you have Fred in front of you holding it down and, and there's obviously an emphasis on playing defense. The Lingard stuff alone, the fact that they gave up that first goal, I think is probably what you'd want to look at. That 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 player for young boys got isolated 1v1 with Luke Shaw. How does he get the cross off? How are there not guys there to kind of clear that out? You have five guys in a line. That shouldn't happen. So those were probably where I'd probably scale it back and get back to it. And that's actually before the subs even happened, that first goal. So Ole Gunnar definitely didn't get it right. I think we got into that. But I don't think Lingard is the ultimate one to blame. Obviously, he was the last guy that made the ultimate mistake. But, but I think there's a couple things that build up to that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think Lingard's the ideal person to kind of bring on in this scenario. He, Before you he, carry on, uh, James Bench, here's the poll, by the way, while everybody's watching. Where will Manchester United finish in Group F? 62% still think, we know, second will be good enough. Go ahead, James Bench. I think they'll still finish top, to be honest. I just think they've made their task really fiddly. I think that, you know, if you, if you think about you just everything has to be done to plan. Now, I really like the idea of let's lump the ball long to Ronaldo and Jesse Lingard can um, can run off him and, and be the the second striker. I've seen that work at West Ham. It worked very well with Mikhail Antonio. Maybe Ronaldo's a little better. I would say he's about one point oh five times better than Mikhail Antonio. So yeah, I, I I think having Lingard on was great. The player that makes a mistake, it. Does, it it doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad footballer. I mean, we've seen Jesse Lingard in 2021 playing, you know, 
a, at a level that kind of quite few English players have have played. I think he's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, Lingard definitely not the problem, but Man United they're gonna they're gonna get through, but they've just made it so much more stressful and given well, themselves very well, little I, room to maneuver. I was gonna say, I think that now they need a big performance away at Atalanta or something like that in order to make sure that they you know maintain that rhythm. But you know, I just want to echo what James said. This is not Jesse Lingard's fault. This is, you know, it's a mistake. It is what it is, but they still have enough talent and so does Jesse Lingard. All right, let's keep going here in the Champions League. All right, a little bit more uh, craziness here from the Champions League. Sevilla Salzburg was just a penalty fest. It was just, it was kind of awesome actually for the neutral, just going, all right, what's going to happen now? At EM, it was an absolute nightmare. It ended 1-0. But what about Villarreal Atalanta? The game, by the way, that I told you uh, that was going to be good. But let's let's begin with Sevilla Salzburg here, Jimmy. Let's begin with you. Four penalties, two missed, and how about that? By the way, the Emmys are this Sunday night, Jimmy Conrad. I feel that uh, and Nesri, uh, that dive was was really worthy oh, of, yes. of a good performance. Yeah, eight yellow cards, uh, two of which turned into a red card for Nesri. Four penalties. I think all four were the correct call. Maybe yeah. the first one against Diego Carlos was on top of the box, but I think his foot was inside barely. Yeah, it's okay if hit. you give it. It's okay if you give it. Yeah. So 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 you give it there and. Eddie Emmy was fantastic. I know James Bench uh, was on the Twitters, it. as he's saying, <laughs> as you could be like the breakout star. And I think he already proved it in the first match day. So fair play to James Bench for that. I'm going to give him a shout out before he gives himself a shout out. Nice little pat on the back. But but what I found funny was that Eddie Emmy took that first penalty and missed. Mm. So so Suchich comes in, takes the second one and makes it. And then he goes and like puts his ears to the crowd and like talking trash to the crowd. I'm like, this guy's insane. <laughs> he steps up to take the next one and he misses. <laughs> And then, like, five minutes later, Sevilla get a penalty, and it ends one. Like, Sevilla could have been down 3-0 at that point. It ends 1-1. So, as much as I think Salzburg, before the game, would have said, we'll definitely take a point here uh, against Sevilla away from home, Sevilla is probably thinking, God damn, we'll take a point given how that game went after the fact. So, I think everybody kind of weirdly goes home happy with the 1-1 draw, uh, as crazy as that game played out. But... Sevilla are very, very good. I've obviously can eliminate some of the mistakes and that that push by Jesus Navas. If you if you do get to see it, ridiculous from a player of his experience to even bother. It's just some bad decisions on the penalties. But outside of that, I do like Sevilla's team. I wish Ocampos would have started. He came on a little bit later. I, I'm a big fan of him. Papa Gomez, cute as a button, Papa Gomez. So they got some qualities to be. I don't think you can sleep on them. Obviously, we could argue they're better in the Europa League than they are in the Champions League. So we'll see if that bears any fruit. But uh, good, good performance. I want to just briefly talk about Brendan Aronson. He's out there in the Champions League, and he looks like he is of the quality to play at a high level in the Champions League. He nearly scored a beauty. He did. It was a great save. And, and he, and I said this before during our U.S. stuff, I think that if he has good performances here when Pulisic might not be playing and McKinney might not be playing and Reynas hurts and might not get into the lineup, Brendan Aronson could quietly sneak into our starting lineup for the U.S. men's national team based on how he's going to perform in the Champions League. And I think it's going to be at a high level. I have a question for Jimmy, because I know you watch a lot more La Liga than, than, than I. Diego Carlos, as far as I can see, he's, bec- he's become considered this great centre-back, I think because he's quick on FIFA. He's going to play well. Well, we don't know what his rating is on 22, but yeah. No, no, they're... they're- there's something about him and that partnership with Jules Kunde that I think did lend to a lot of success. But 
even Jules Kunde for a while. He started off the last half, the first half of last season very, very well. And there's a lot of hype around him. And I thought deservedly so. But the second half, as we got into some of the bigger games during the season, he just would take more risk than he needed to. He didn't have that patience. He felt like he was in a hurry. I don't know if there was some anxiety, but I also see it from Diego Carlos, where sometimes they're just, they don't have that patience that you always need as, as a center back. You don't have to win every single ball. John Anthony Brooks got himself into trouble trying to win a ball today, got a second yellow, got thrown out for Wolfsburg. There's another piece of evidence. And so I, I like Diego Carlos. I think he's a little bit, uh, okay, a throwback to an old center back, really hard nosed, going to throw in a tackle, let you know that he's there kind of thing. But uh, I, th I think he's more of a number two center back than a number one. I don't know if Jules Kunde has emerged yet as a number one. We can all see the potential there, of course. But, but I don't think he's old enough yet. Because center backs, I feel like, are like goalkeepers. They get better as they get a little bit older. I think it's worth remembering that when you're a defender like him, and actually his partnership with Kunde, remember Sevilla, the last time they played was the end of August. Because obviously mm -hmm. they had a break. And I That's think great. that defenders need that kind of momentum to keep going. And I think that break on the weekend due to the Conmebol World Cup qualifiers didn't help Sevilla as much. Barcelona so too, right? I mean, Barcelona. Absolutely, absolutely. So to me, that, that that's a port, port of it. But to your point, I think that maybe Salzburg are maybe the happier of the two just because they get that point away from home. Let's uh, quickly uh, talk about Villarreal Atalanta. I told you it was going to be a good one. <laughs> I told you. And it was indeed James Bench. Quickly on that one. That was a good game. See that? Oh, yeah, man, these two teams can't defend, though. Really <laughs> That's why it was good. <laughs> Did you? Atalanta, no, Villarreal's first equaliser. Yeah, it's a mess. The defence just go, they just stop and they're yeah. like looking around. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was like uh, when you play FIFA and your, your remote goes out of battery and you're just like, what's <laughs> happening? It was, I, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe this is just football now, but teams just aren't defending at all well consistently. And I, I mean, Atalanta really miss Romero. Valencia, mm -hmm. uh, VRL are just a bit, uh, but but th that also means they they take their chances. They might not create a lot of them. I thought Dan Juma was excellent coming off mm. the bench. Yeah, he's the sort of player that Emery really likes that, or, but won't start. That he throws in in on the 60th minute and that brings a little bit of verve and energy to the game. So yeah, I, I mean, it was a really fun game. On let's what's let's be honest that. The, it, it, the evening kickoffs were slightly less thrilling than the afternoon ones. I really enjoyed that game. A lot of fun. Yeah, I just jump in really quick about Atalanta. I feel like Palomino, the defender, is not good enough uh, to maybe even play in Serie A on a consistent level and the Champions League level. I think he's going to get found out and got found out today. And then you have Toloy, who I think is is serviceable, but He's Christian Romero. Like these aren't the guys that I think are going to lead to anything kind of type of success. And as we've learned just from Chelsea as an example, if you want to win in this competition in particular, you got to have some very, very good defenders and everybody's got to know their job and do their job. And Atalanta doesn't have that for me. And we saw it against Fiorentina uh, earlier this weekend as well. And I don't know. It's going to be tough for Gasparini. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to pull some, some rabbits out of his hat this time, especially with Luis Muriel out as well for some, some four to six weeks. So, I don't know. Keep your eye on Atalanta. Obviously, they've been the darling hipster team for a couple of seasons now, and, and we'll see if they can keep that tag. Well, we will see. I, I think it was a good result for Manchester United because now they can hopefully take advantage of either mm -hmm, mm -hmm, one. Mm -hmm. All right, some quickly on the other games, by the way. Chelsea uh, beat Senate one nothing. Romelu Lukaku, of course. Malmo lose 3 nothing to Juventus. Juventus, is this the beginning of something good? Finally, for Max Allegri and Co. Lille and Wolfsburg draw 
nil nil. Of course, uh, there was a Jonathan David goal disallowed, and we talked. Jimmy mentioned the Jonathan Brooks red card as well, and Dinamo and Benfica nil nil as well. Mikola Shaparenko's injury time goal ruled out by VAR. Anything from that, by the way, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, I'll just speak about Chelsea. I went on HQ today and said that they were going to win in under two and a half goals, and that's what happens. Thomas Tuchel has managed this team in eight Champions League games, and all of them have been under two and a half goals, and now six out of those eight have been the win in under two and a half goals, so something to consider for all you gamblers out there. Uh, 14 goals in 28 career games, Champions League for Romelu Lukaku. He scored four and four so far for Chelsea. The guy's on fire. I also want to give a shout-out to Edouard Mendy, who did get hurt, but he seemed like he'll be okay. 10 clean sheets in 13 Champions League matches. He's unbelievable. Three man. goals conceded. The only only Keeler Navas has did it more or did it quicker than than Edward Menny to get to uh, 10 clean sheets. So that's something that that's a nice person to be compared to who who's won three Champions League trophies. And I'd like to give a shout out to Wolfsburg. No one will talk about them this whole tournament because <laughs> they are hell on earth to watch. They are so boring. <laughs> but at least they gave us a red card. At least uh, at least Jonathan Brooks gave us some excitement. Uh, XG of 0.07. <laughs> Oh my god, that's terrible. That's basically just like they're showing top, up on the pitch. They're top like of the table in the Bundesliga. That's the best part. What does that say about the Bundesliga? Oh, now I'm gonna get Ian Poljo giving me a ring right now. I'm getting really <laughs> angry about it. <laughs> to your point though, Wolfsburg, yeah, didn't show that much. Hopefully they'll they'll pick it up. All right. We want to grade uh the Americans abroad right now, everybody. Uh so obviously we mentioned a few there, but Jordan Pifot, of course. Got that winner and stop his yeah, yeah. Brendan Aronson as well. Weston yeah. McKenney subbed on in the 68th minute. 50% success rate on six passes. And uh, John Anthony Brooks sent off in the 63rd. Anything from that, Jimmy Conrad? <laughs> well, shout out to Jordan Pifok who came on at halftime, didn't actually start the game, and obviously made his uh, presence felt with that 95th minute winner. And obviously that's going to be a career moment for him. I'm excited for him on a personal level and all, also because – it now adds to the intrigue and conversation about who is our number nine for the U.S. men's national team. That conversation is still wide open. I thought Brendan Aronson, like I mentioned before, continues to prove why he should be considered a regular starter for our national team. I thought he was tremendous today against Sevilla. Didn't look out of place. Looked like he belonged and almost got a goal there. They should give him a penalty at some point. If they're going to get three and one half, get that guy to step up and take a penalty. John Anthony Brooks. I don't know if you saw the goal that Jonathan David did score, but he got he got uh, left in the cold in that one. So he probably felt very fortunate that VAR came back and said the ball was out of bounds. Not only, and then you know, five, six, seven minutes after that, he gets his second yellow, gets a red card. So yeah, it's, uh, he's on on the bad form side of things. And then Weston McKinney, obviously, I don't think a fifty percent uh, passing rate is very good. But uh, at that point, the game was well in hand. All three goals Juve had scored in the first half, and so he just gets kind of coming in to run around. I want him to find his form. I think he's going to be and same with John Brooks as soon as possible because we have some big games coming up and World Cup qualifying, but it doesn't look so good for those two in the particular. I mean, first of all, shout out to to Luis for coming up with anything to say about Weston McKenney's like, <laughs> head rubber half. Against. Well, that's thanks to our producer, Des, I think. I wasn't going to say anything. and then I was going to talk about uh, other things, but yeah, Weston had to be I mean, included, I, I guess. Say, everyone's talking about this Ricardo Pepe kid. I don't. Is it him and Peafock? Is that the is that the front two against Panama? Is that what will have them shaking in their hats? 
Uh, no. <laughs> Very no. good, James Bench. <laughs> 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 no, I would say that uh, we'll probably run with the four-three-three anyway, so it'd probably be one or the other. I think Josh Sargent obviously would be in there. Daryl DK, who plays for Orlando City and had a good run with Barnsley, would be in the conversation as well, assuming everybody's healthy. Ricardo Pepe just he just I think did enough to warrant it. our first game is actually against Jamaica, but away to Panama, which is the second one. We'll see. I'm kind of curious. This is now as we talk about with Ole Gunner or other people other managers that have a plethora of options in, in multiple positions, you got to figure out what your best starting lineup is. And I think that's going to be our big challenge, which includes the number nine spot. Yeah. Well, we have a question here, a comment from Rob Thomas. If I have a USMNT match tomorrow, I'd start Aronson and bring Pulisic off the bench. It's been five years since Pulisic had a strong performance. Damn, five years. I could have sworn he scored Woo. a very crucial penalty. That's in the a Nations hot take. League. I know. Woo. Rob, Rob, I appreciate. First of all, Rob, I appreciate your photo. You look good, man. Uh, you, you, look look like Lord, you look happy. You look, you look like Lord Disick from uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. <laughs> but Rob, I don't know. Jimmy, what do you think of that? Five years since a good performance of Pulisic. Uh, yeah, that's that's a bit strong. So I can see where he's leaning on this. But I do agree with him. And I've been saying it and kind of teasing it that I think Brendan Aronson will either displace Pulisic or Gio Reyna for some important games here moving forward. Pulisic, I think his big concern, and I know Bench has come on and talked about it, is his health. There's yeah. just so much depth with Chelsea. There's just so many good players that he has to stay healthy. Uh, it, it, Bench was on HQ earlier talking about the quality. Everybody admires the quality that, that Pulisic has, but he just seems to get hurt at the wrong time and then other players step up and take his spot. And then it's hard for him to find that rhythm and get back into the starting lineup. And it's a rinse and repeat. I feel like we're seeing this nice vicious cycle for Christian Pulisic, which makes me a little bit worried about his future at Chelsea because Thomas Tuchel doesn't care about your feelings. Uh, as we saw with Tammy Abraham is a good example of that. And now Tammy Abraham's getting love from somewhere else. And look at him. He's blossoming like a flower. You love to see it. So anyway, that's a different conversation. I think that Pulisic, you know, he's still got that Captain American tag. I don't think he's going to lose that anytime soon, but I think Aronson could be looking to steal some minutes here. And if anybody else starts blowing up, Timothy Weah or anybody like that, yeah, it could be hard for some players that uh, we considered regulars six, seven months ago to to find their way in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge Pooley has is, as far as I can see, looking from afar, when he goes off to the USMNT, that's when he needs, he goes to those games to recover the form and fitness that he didn't get for the past month or however long at Chelsea, that's not going to work. You're not, you're, you know, the US fans are not then going to see the best version of him. He is still, uh, you know, from what I've seen of every US international, he is, still has the highest ceiling of any of them. You know, it is not that long ago that he was one of the three or four best players in the Premier League post lockdown. Mm. Mm. That is a guy you persevere with, but I think mm-hmm. he's maybe not a guy that Chelsea persevere with. For me, he feels like he just, and I know he doesn't think like this. I spoke to him before the start of the season, but he needs that move. It's not going to work. He should be the best player at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everton or a team of that level. And yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you, which team do you think he goes to? I, I, I don't know. Does oh. he stay in the Premier League? Does he go somewhere else? You know, I, I kind of curious because he wasn't when he went to Dortmund. Yeah, he had the same thing. He showed flashes of his brilliance, but it wasn't this maintained. And and as consistent as we want, as we all know that he's capable of, if, if if healthy, I think he suits the Premier League perfectly, and I think it should be a really high quality team. And I would be looking at those teams just below the Big Four. I think no, I think Everton's after. a good call. I think Everton's a very good call because Rafa Benitez has already given some kind of dynamic, at least more dynamic 
idea to what Everton represent, at least from what I've seen recently. He, he needs to stay in the Premier League. The problem with Pulisic uh, sometimes is that he leaves a Chelsea side where he knows his role specifically, and then he goes to the USMNT, and then he's giving like three or four more tasks. Like he drops deep, he goes wide, he sometimes becomes a number nine, and that can be a little bit too much. And I just want to support, I just want to quickly... Would you, would, you take him, would you take him at Aston Villa? No, I don't like Pulisic. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> oh, man, what is happening? No, I was, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting uh, that answer. No, listen, of course I would. He, he, he'd be great. He'd be great coming up with But he, he's Coming off he the had, bench for Buendia and Leon Bailey, yeah, sweet, no, sweet. What? Bertrand Traore, son. We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> no, but listen, one thing that I will say is that Brendan Aronson is on his way to that, I think. I think Brendan Aronson is a fantastic... So Rob Thomas's point that serves a purpose there. Mm-hmm. Aronson, if he keeps going, he's going to elevate his game. And I completely agree. If Pulisic is somebody that's not 100% right now, Aronson can fit that role. He, he, I think he's fantastic. A friend of the show, by the way, he was uh, on Keigo Lasso before he joined Salzburg. So, you know, make sure that you check that out. All right. Before we say goodbye, I want final thoughts because guess what? Today was great. Tomorrow, Erlen Haaland, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Porto, Lionel Messi, PSG, and of course, Liverpool, AC Milan. I haven't talked about Man City and RB Leipzig and Jesse Marsh as well. There's games all over. Any final thoughts either from today or what you're looking forward for tomorrow, James Bench? Yeah, you've missed the biggest story of them all. Which which is? I don't know if anyone I don't know if anyone reads my bold predictions column. I hope they do. Um this, I do, I promise. T- tomorrow uh, is going to be the day when Sheriff proved to you that they can make it out of the group stage. I said, <laughs> James I, I, Bench, James Bench, Sheriff has a Peruvian, so I'm going behind <laughs> Sheriff all the way, my friend. They're a wonderful mix of sort of the wastrels and strays of sort of the Greek <laughs> leagues and minor South American leagues, and I love it. And they play really good football from what I've seen, which is yeah. limited. And I don't think the other teams in their group are all that. So, yeah, I mean, when it came to doing bold predictions, I went extra spicy. Someone's got to be the guy predicting Emma Raducanu wins the US Open. Someone, and it's this guy, has to be the guy predicting I love the it. Sheriff are going to make the knockout stages. This is also a very good uh, preemptor to make sure that everybody reads uh, James Benj's prediction. And I hope every time Sheriff scores in the Champions League, Jimmy Conrad, it goes, I shot Sheriff. That's always on that won't mind. happen. Yeah, always. No, and al- always. And I always want the the Ajax jerseys to be oh my God. Bob Marley-inspired yes. ones to Sheriff in this particular instance. Uh, Jimmy, what are your final thoughts? Sheriff are 100,000 to one or whatever, 100, plus 100,000 to win the Champions League. So oh, my I'm hoping God. That, just <laughs> just put 100 on that right now, Benj, and you'll uh, probably never work for CBS ever again. You'll be so rich. <laughs> for, for me, yeah, there's some big storylines. Obviously, Liverpool being at home at Anfield in front of fans against Milan. Obviously, both of these teams are very decorated in the Champions League, uh, right behind Real Madrid in the, the overall trophy count. I wish that Zlatan was playing for Milan. I wanted to have some Zlatan Virgil van Dijk in my life. So I'm a little sad that's not going to come off. But uh, I'm excited to see this one in particular because of the storied histories from both clubs. And there are some fantastic matches all the way around. I mean, Sporting Club de Portugal versus Ajax is a great match as well for everybody that's kind of into the... Yeah, the, that's the, the, the one I'm the looking smaller at. leagues. But it's, there's... I. I thought today was good. I actually think we're going to see some special special results tomorrow. So I'm excited. 100%. Erling Haaland against Besiktas. That's just going to be fun. Yeah. Ajax yeah. are the value bet. Sporting are soft, says Stu 
MC, Mac, <laughs> I don't know. Did you finish? I don't even, what, what are you doing? Playing golf there? All right, Stu, thank you. I exhale the value bit. Well, I am looking forward to that game. I think there's going to be goals. And by the way, tomorrow we are going live right after the games. Not today. I had to be on HQ. Jimmy had some things and James Benches, uh, he was kind enough to stay awake. But tomorrow we're live right after. By the way, Luis Garcia joined Kegolazo this week and talked about that magical night in Istanbul uh, because the only time Liverpool and AC Milan have faced each other is in finals, in big finals. So tomorrow should be a good one as well. All right. Any final thoughts? Is that it from you, James Bench? Anything else? No. I mean, that's, <laughs> I can't wait to hear Lucho. Um, been so great for us on... Um, he is on a HBO. wonderful human being. A wonderful human and very being. Very handsome. He, and and he, doesn't, he doesn't age either. I, I mean, yeah. his hair, his hair ages, but nothing else ages. It's really freaking it, it, annoying it, it, that he's annoying. so... Like, yeah, it very is. But J- uh, Jimmy Conrad, any final thoughts from your side from, obviously, tomorrow's games? No, excited uh, for more action and, obviously, the Europa League and Conference League. There's just so much going on and I'm here for it. So I'm excited to share all this with you and everybody else that's been watching and listening. 100%. Kego Lasso, my favorite place to be. I hope it's yours too. James Bench, make sure that you follow him on Twitter and Jimmy Conrad on Twitter as well. CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. But make sure that you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. And we're going to be back tomorrow right after the games. And by the way, our preview for this week includes Wednesday's game. So make sure that you check that out. Where Jimmy Conrad and I as well give our full predictions james bench who did you have winning the whole thing by the way i forget chelsea, chelsea right yeah chelsea ah, well, i knew you were smart i said the same thing oh see whatever psg is gonna <laughs> win or they're gonna play volleyball next season whatever it is <laughs> but thank you so much everyone well, yes yes des norris i'm ruined for sheriff because they have a peruvian but thank you so much everybody we will see you next time don't forget to support kego lasso kego lasso pod have a great great rest of your evening see you next time Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.